Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. Today's message is The Prodigal Son. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. All right. So we're going to be looking at a, a very familiar passage today. And this is a parable. And actually, uh, did, wasn't planning on doing this until I was uh, preparing for our uh, Wednesday night with our youth. We're looking at some of the different parables of Jesus and things like this. And this was the parable that, that we came across. It's one that's very familiar. And as we've we're kind of talking about, um, you know, and I, I hope over the last few weeks you've, you've kind of been thinking about, okay, where, where is my life going, the direction that I'm going uh, in the new year as we can kind of look at things that are important, things that really matter to us, um, you know, what, what's our mindset need to be, what are some of the things that maybe we need to, to change or adjust, and it's not just about coming up with resolutions, it's more about looking at, okay, what is God really calling me to do? How is he calling me to live uh, as we begin this new year? And, uh, and so this, this parable just really jumped out to me in a, in a way that it really hasn't before. And, uh, and so I, I hope that, that you can kind of set aside, because what happens a lot of times, especially with, uh, this is, and this is the parable of the prodigal son, or the parable of the lost son, right? You've, all of us in here, this is one of those parables that kind of transcends church. Right? If you say, oh, that's, that's the prodigal son, someone that may have never stepped foot in a church will know the story you're talking about. Right? It's, it's kind of become a, a cultural thing. You know, it's kind of like whenever at the Super Bowl tonight, someone will have a sign that says John 3.16. Right? Everybody knows, oh, that's a church thing. They may not even know what the passage is, but they know, you know, it's just kind of become a cultural thing. And I think the prodigal son, uh, this parable... It's become one of those. And so I want to encourage you to, to take off the kind of those, uh, you know, those preconceived ideas. Because what happens whenever something is very routine to us, we don't really pay attention to it. Like, oh, I've heard this before, right? Well, let's, let's maybe, maybe God has something more to teach us through this parable. Um, and so I encourage you to, to read along with me. It's in Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. This is the parable of the lost son. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, uh, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he had come, man, and I've seen what pigs eat in Honduras. Oh, my gosh. It takes a whole other meaning. When he came to his senses, he, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. So they, made, so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All right, you know there's so so much that you can do with this uh, this parable, and and I think um, you know parables are are really neat, and sometimes we can try to extend them too far, right, and to, to try to to say things that maybe they weren't trying to say. Um, but a parable is really is very simple. It's trying to use a a real world story, uh, you know, that people can relate to to uh, explain a greater and eternal truth. And that's what Jesus is, is doing right here. What he's doing is he's sharing aspects and characteristics of who God is. Right? And I think, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I try to be big on making sure that we read Scripture in context. I think context matters. Um, and it's the same way, especially in a parable, um, is knowing who is Jesus talking to. And what is, what is he trying to convey. Well, it's interesting, if you kind of look at the beginning of, of chapter 15, um, what it says is they're gathered in a house, Jesus is there, and there are tax collectors and sinners, and then there's the religious leaders. Those are the two, two groups, if you will, that are in this house together. Now, whenever the Bible says tax collectors and sinners, you know, that's just a very broad expression, right? Now, were there tax collectors there? Yeah, Matthew was a tax collector, so there were probably tax collectors. Were there sinners there? Yes. That's, that's kind of the, the group that is not part of the religious group. Right? These aren't necessarily just horrible people, right? but, but they're not, they don't live up to the Pharisees' view of righteous living, which, by the way, no one did except the Pharisees in their mind, right? So that's the two groups. You've got this group that probably admittedly knows that they're not living up to the, the expectation, the religious expectations of the day. And then you've got the group that can't believe that Jesus is even associating with these people who can't live up to the religious establishment of the day, right? And, uh, and, and so Jesus starts telling these parables about the lost coin, uh, about leaving the 99 and going to the 1, right? And so it's very clear here that Jesus, is, the emphasis is on the prodigal son and that the prodigal son, even going through what he did and, and rebelling, can still find a place back home, right? But then Jesus also mentions this other brother who clearly is representative of the religious elite of that day. And, 
And so I want us to, to kind of look at this because the reality is, is that we probably have found ourselves in the shoes of both brothers, right? We've probably found ourselves in that place where we feel like we've sinned and that we've done too much and that we can't live up to what God desires. And we probably find ourselves sometimes in that place where we're just really frustrated with all the people who are sinning, <laughs> right? And so I want us to kind of look at this, um, this parable today and think about where are we right now? And you know, so often we look at things, as I've said before, we look at things that are, they're either all the way over here or all the way over here. So you have the, the brother who is living in, in complete sin with prostitutes, doing everything imaginable under the sun. And so we say, okay, here's him. And then we have this just ultra self-righteous you know, person over here. The reality is, is most of us aren't at one of those extremes. But there's a good chance that we're moving that direction. If we're not moving towards the Father, we're moving towards one of those directions. And, and I want to look at this because there's some things that are, that are common between the two brothers. Both of them, and this is really important, both of them know the Father. Right? It's easy sometimes for us as, as Christians, as people in the church, to read this passage as, well, the younger brother, that's all those people who don't know the Lord, that, that are separated, that are out you know, eating pig slop. That's not really the context of this parable. This group of people, the, the, the prodigal son, represents a group of people who know the father intimately. They're part of the group, right? Jesus isn't saying that he represents the Gentiles. No, the people of Israel, the, the Jews, they all considered themselves part of the group. They believed in God. The, the tax collectors here and the sinners that, uh, that it's talked about, they believed in God, right? They may have been trying to live for God, but they weren't meeting the expectations of the Pharisees, right? But it's not like they, they didn't know who God was. Both of the brothers knew who God was and had some sort of a relationship with him. Another thing that is very obvious and that they share in common is both of them were walking away from that relationship. Both were walking away from the Father in very different ways and ways that publicly would be seen as very different. But they were both walking away from the Father. Right? And so let's look at the younger son. The younger son, I think, um, maybe we would characterize him as a, a free spirit, right? There's some personality stuff going on here, which, which we need to recognize impacts the way that our, our relationship with the father. But the, the younger son is kind of this free spirit, right? He's, he's a, a, at a place now where he sees the father as a rule maker, right? The father is not understanding, the father is just kind of trying to keep him down, to keep him from becoming the person that he could become if he could do it on his own, right? That's kind of how he is seeing the father. And it's pretty, 
uh, it, it's pretty extreme because you know he, he's recognizing uh, that he thinks the father uh, wants me to be accountable and wants me to do all of this. And he basically is like, I don't want accountability to anybody else. I want to be accountable only to myself. And so he asked the father, hey, I need my inheritance. Well, we, we hear that and we think, okay, so that's, you know, what's the, what's the huge deal with that? Well, that basically meant that he wished his father was dead. Because the way that it went back then, the only way you got your inheritance is when the, the head of the household died. That is when you would get your inheritance. There really weren't systems in place for you to get your inheritance before then. That's just kind of the natural progression. Culturally, that's what, what was going on. Where today, we can see, okay, you want what's coming to you? I'll, I'll go ahead. If I have it in the account, I can write you a check for what you would get. Right? You, can, you can actually transfer your stuff early, which may be good for tax reasons at some point. Right? You know, there, we can do that. But back then, and the, the listeners, when Jesus said, this is what the younger son was asking, that what they heard is, okay, the younger son basically has nothing to do with the father and wishes that he was dead. Right? But the father says, okay, that's what you want. I'll give it to you. Right? The father, <laughs> and isn't it interesting? Just by the father giving the son his inheritance, basically is going against all the preconceived ideas that the son has on the father. Right? A father who is truly a, a stickler for the rules and who is trying to keep their son uh, down and all of this would never listen to the son and do what he asked. Right? But the father does. So the father gives the younger son. And so this, the younger son goes. He thinks this is going to be great. Right? And so he starts living his own way. Right? And having a lot of fun doing it. Which, which that's important for us to, to realize. There's some fun that's being had. Right? He's enjoying this. But as it continues, and it continues, and all of a sudden, because he's not accountable to anyone, he starts going down a really ugly path. And it's a path that leads to rock bottom. Right? And that's a path that, that probably started off you know, with small justifications. Right? We all do the same thing. Maybe you've never gotten to the place that you could equate with eating from the pigs, right? But all of us, I think if we're honest with ourselves, can kind of see the road of how you can get to rock bottom, right? And it starts with just little things. Maybe we justify, you know, these are silly examples, but we justify a little white lie here, which arguably may be sometimes necessary, Right? But then, then we can justify a little bit more of a lie. Then we can say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do that because you know, the greater good mean, you know, it, it makes it worth it. And we can ju- it just builds and builds. And then all of a sudden, we don't know where, where the truth is. We do this, you can do this, you know, an old church, traditional church example is with alcohol. Right? You start off and you, know, you, you be a, a teetotaler, right? You have, have that. And then you have the person that takes one more step. No, a drink every now and then is okay. And then you're like, maybe, okay. maybe a couple extra drinks. That's okay because I don't do it all the time. All right? 
And then you start doing that, and then all of a sudden, a few drinks a week becomes a few drinks a day, right? And, and in your mind, you can justify all of this stuff, and then all of a sudden, you're a raging alcoholic, right? That, that's the steps that anything can take, right? And we're really good at that. And most of the time, we don't start off thinking, man, I can't wait to get to rock bottom, <laughs> Right? The younger son never went off thinking, man, I can't wait till I'm eating pig slop. But man, if we're, as we move away from the Father and move away from the accountability and through the teaching and the truth that the Father has laid out for us, the farther we move away from that, the closer we're getting to rock bottom, whatever rock bottom looks like. Because whenever you start throwing out all the rules, and you basically, and we see this in society all the time, that basically says, man, whatever works for you is great. The more you live in that kind of a world, the closer and closer you're getting to rock bottom. Now, our society actually puts a lot of safety nets there that can keep you from getting to rock bottom really quickly. But that's the direction you're headed. If you're moving away from the Father and towards kind of the idea of, hey, everything goes, you know, we, we, don't, we don't need to have one set of principles or one set of morals or, you know, all of that's based on culture, how you were raised, all this stuff. Listen, you are moving away from the Father. And eventually, you're going to hit rock bottom. Now, the wonderful thing is, and the main point of this passage, is that you can always come back. Right? Even when you've reached rock bottom, you can come back. But I think if Jesus were here to kind of continue this parable, he would say, I really don't want you to have to get to rock bottom before you come back. Right? That's not the, the, the main point is not, hey, go experience things and get to rock bottom, then you'll really appreciate me. <laughs> no, I, I think Jesus is trying to say, you know what? Hey, be careful. Because if you start walking away from me because you want to do it your own way, this is where it ends up eventually. And, and yeah, I'll still take you back, but why do you want to go through all of that? Right? I think many times we find ourselves in that place of the younger son. And maybe we're just walking a little bit away from God and we're starting to say, you know, some of those, those things that God says, that just really doesn't fit with society's view of things anymore. Right? And so we let this thing slip. You know, we, we let God's uh, idea of, of how sexuality works. Right? Man, that doesn't fit with the, the predominant thoughts of the day. So you know what? We're going to change our thought on that. And then all of a sudden we change our thought on this. And then we change our thought on this. And pretty soon we're so far away that we're just one step from rock bottom. Then we have the older son. I actually think in the church, <laughs> the story of the older son probably hits more people if we're honest with ourselves. See, the older son, he was a rule follower. That's his personality. Right? And there are those people, right? And you may be one. Do we have any hard and fast rule followers? Yep. There's a few. There, there's not as many, right? 
There aren't as many. But, but if you're a rule follower, you know what that means. You know because I tended to be a, a rule follower as well. And so if my parents said, you don't need to do this, and even though, and sometimes it could be a ridiculous rule, right, that, that I knew, that's stupid. It doesn't matter if I do that or not. I would get close to doing that, and I'd start getting a feeling in the pit of my stomach. It's like, and you're like, oh my gosh, it, it's after four o'clock. I'm not supposed to take a sip of that Coke. I may die. You know, it's a weird feeling, right? And, and if you're a rule follower, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? And, uh, and that's, the, that's the older brother. So he's naturally, he's going, oh, my father said this. I'm going to follow the rules. Ten Commandments. Got them. You know, I can do all of that stuff. Right? What's really interesting is that he appears to have it all together. He appears that his relationship with his father must be really strong. Look, man, he's doing everything his father asked. So someone from the outside would look at that and say, man, that guy, he, he has a close relationship with his father. Look at that bond that they have. Guess what? That is not the case at all. Just because he was following the rules didn't mean that he was in a relationship with his father. And he was actually walking away from his father because he viewed his relationship with his father was based on a sense of duty. And he was following out of fear not because he was in a loving relationship with him. And that road leads to an ugly place too. And it's interesting. Where the other road with the younger son leads to a place where you're outside of the church, where you're clear you're living a life that you shouldn't be because you're in with the pigs, right? The other one leads to a place where you can still be inside the church, You can still be within the framework of righteous living. You can still appear to have this wonderful relationship, but yet you've been moving farther and farther away until you become and are at a place where you are so bitter and you are so angry that whenever you even see redemption from someone who has gone off the deep end, you can't even be happy for that. What a miserable place to be. That you are at such a place where you're so self-righteous that when your own brother breaks down and comes back, hat in hand, crawling on the ground, just trying to get scraps from that table, that your response is just to get angry and bitter. That is not a good place to be in. And I think we need to be really honest with ourselves. Because in society, society I think is pushing us to be in that place. Society is pushing us to be self-righteous. And it, it, it doesn't matter what your belief system is. Right now, just look at the dialogue 
on things that people disagree right now in society. People are so far over that there is no empathy for anyone else unless you agree and live the way that they do. This is an easy place for us to get to. And it's one that's a little bit harder because we can make it look fine on the outside, but yet we are moving to a place of bitterness and pain. You know, I, as I, I see this, and, and one thing that really jumped out to me as I was reading the, the prodigal son parable, the younger son found redemption and found, found a new relationship. The older son, it just kind of leaves it open. Now, can the under, older son change his thought process and move back? Of course. But I think sometimes it's a lot harder because you know what? There's really not a rock bottom. <laughs> it's different because it's a different way of thinking because you can always, whenever you're on the self-righteous side, you can always look and say, man, I'm doing better than they are. And then you get to that place where there is no compassion and there is no empathy. And that's an ugly place. And that is not what God desires for us either. You know, both of these paths, they kind of are two sides to the same coin. See, when we choose unrighteousness, what happens is we start going the direction of the younger son. Right? And it starts small, giving a little bit here, giving a little bit there. All of a sudden, we find ourselves in the pig slot. But when we choose self-righteousness, we are moving in the opposite direction, but we're still moving away from the Father. And it leads to a place of bitterness and anger and hate. I think we all need to be looking at our lives. And we need to be asking, what direction am I moving? Because if you're not moving to the Father, you're moving away. And both of those places can be really ugly. And the Father doesn't want you there. He wants you to run to Him. To run out and away from sin and darkness. The sin that shows itself in unrighteous living and the sin that reveals itself in bitterness and hate that is all on the inside. He wants you to run away from that and run towards Him. Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We're located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.